often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 521. I am your host, Josh Albrecht, recording once again inside the Slapbox penthouse with my trusty cat, Agent Fox Mulder, sitting at my feet, all presidents of the United States of America style, like Kitty. Any moment he could run up and scratch me through my jeans, but I'm not really wearing jeans, so that doesn't check out. He might bite me, though. <laughs> he might bite me just right through my flesh. No, nothing to protect me in between his teeth and my flesh. But, uh, yeah, episode 521. Speaking of Mulder here, Mr. Fox, he, uh, I've been having to try to get rid of his cat acne, which I was unaware of was a thing until, uh, I guess this week. <laughs> Um, I had noticed he had been itching a lot, and after I had gotten the chiggers and everything, I was kind of afraid that maybe, you know, it is that time of the year that maybe somehow fleas had gotten into the house, and he had had fleas. He'd been scratching an awful lot. And I had noticed on his chin that, uh, at first, I mean, he's got, like, around his mouth, there is, like, a little bit of black like on his lips, like that's just like part of his coloring. But it's mainly like white fur around there. But there was definitely some black under there. And I'm like, man, I don't think he's normally just like black under there. I think there's something there. And I started like it, getting closer, pulling back the fur and looking. And it was like, man, there's something on his chin. And I started rubbing it thinking maybe there was just something stuck to his chin. Like maybe he had, I don't know, litter or food or some debris uh, stuck upon his chin. And uh, that wasn't the case, but it was kind of coming off a little bit, and it looked like it was almost like scabs-ish situation. I was like, oh, man, that doesn't look good. So then I did a Google search and then found cats have an often, often have a problem with cat acne on their chin because they have a hard time cleaning their chins. Often, apparently, it's due to bacteria that gets into the cracks of plastic food bowls, but I don't use plastic food bowls. So I'm going to figure that it's probably just he's not able to clean his chin very well. Maybe it's part of missing the front paw, you know, one of those front legs. Maybe if I had that, he'd do a better job. I don't know. Or he just sucks at cleaning his chin. Either way, he's got blackheads on his chin. And uh, my good friend Megan, of course, told me what to do about it. And she, uh, ooh, I'm going to have to find... <laughs> I don't have it pulled up at the moment, but uh, she told me these disinfectant wipes to use. Here we go. Here it is. I'm totally, had I not looked this up, I would have totally gotten the name wrong. I would have said hydroxychloroquine or something because it, it's kind of a, a name sounding like that. It's not, you know, some false COVID cure. It's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure this stuff, these wipes do not cure COVID. Just... Just a fact here. Uh, pretty certain. Um, it's chlor, chlorhexidine. Chlorhexidine. Wipes. You can get... I got them off Amazon. Uh, it was like 14... No, oh, this isn't the... I don't know. I spent about $14 or so. Maybe it was less. I got a thing of 50 wipes. This is a not an ad for Amazon I'm looking at. So I don't, I don't remember exactly what I, I paid. But yeah, I got... Got him some uh, chlorhexidine wipes and uh, got some flea brushes with a tiny little uh, 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 comb things on them to, you know, so that you can comb through and uh, pull out fleas is the idea. But you can use this for getting the blackheads out. Apparently, you you wipe it real good with chlorhexidine. I was I was watching YouTube videos of uh, people. Apparently, there's a lot of <laughs> ASMR with this, which is kind of fucked up. Why would you have ASMR of like basically popping cat zits? <laughs> kind of fucked up, popping their black blackheads. 
People are fucking weird, man. How are you getting off on that? Anyway. <laughs> um so yeah, if you if you just go to the YouTube and look up like cat acne and stuff, you can find people like combing through the blackheads on the chin, which you wipe it down with the chlorhexidine wipe. Uh and then you can go through with the comb and kind of pull out the blackheads with the comb and then wipe it again with the chlorhexidine. That'll help uh, apparently clear that up. And uh, he won't have a black chin anymore from the the blackheads. <laughs> and uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of... The acne itself is not a real problem. But, you know, if they, they s- scratch the hell out of it and cut it open, you know, then they get an infection. Infection can be a real... Can be a real issue. <laughs> But uh, I'm no doctor or a veterinarian, so <laughs> don't necessarily take my word for it. Perhaps do your own research or contact maybe your vet if you have you think you may have some issues w- with your feline friend. I don't know where Agent Mulder went. He he disappeared. Maybe he realized I had the room op- the door open in the other room, which I usually uh, leave closed. And, you know, he's a cat. Gets a little excited when there's a open door where there's not usually. He's going to go in there and be curious. Or he's using the shitter. There could be that. <laughs> he could be doing that or, or uh, eating. I don't know. Either way, he's going to sneak up on me at some point. Um, Speaking of uh, Megan there, uh, I did get to uh, go over to the fair well, I didn't go to the fair, but uh, I was, that was last week when I uh, did the show. I guess I recorded before going over there. Well, I know I did, um, but I guess it was the Saturday that I recorded. Anyway, so I went over to John and Megan's because they live right behind the fairgrounds of the Washington, Missouri Fair there. And I did get to hear some Flow Rider. Flow Rider. And yeah, I'd forgotten how many songs. He had. It's kind of funny. Like every song, pretty much started out though with uh, "Put your hands up in the air." <laughs> he was like trying to get everybody, like you know, in a party mood or mode, party mode. You know, right before to get the song going. Like it, it must have been an event. It sounded like actually it was probably a pretty good show if you were actually there. If you paid the, it was forty dollars to get in that night. I didn't have no $40 to just get in and see Flo Rida. So I opted to just hang out at John of Bagans, get some Angry Orchard in me, and uh, chill, you know? Chill. <laughs> at one point, when I know, uh, Flo Rida had called everybody to say that they could, hey, everybody can just come up on stage with me. And it was great. At the end of the night, after Flo Rida had uh, ended the show, and uh, people were leaving the fair. Um, of course, across the street from John and Megan is one of the parking lots for the fair there. And so we could do a, quite a bit of people watching <laughs> as they were going to and leaving the fair. And then uh, <laughs> there was a kid that was probably around 10 or so, 9, 10-ish. I don't know how old the kid was. Hell, maybe he was 35. <laughs> I'm old now. You know, they all look young. <laughs> I'm going to guess he was probably like 9, 10 ish. Um, but uh, he's yelling out, I was on stage with Flo Rida. <laughs> he was in a group with just a bunch of kids. He just yells at it. He's like, I was on stage with Flo Rida. Like, that is awesome. That's great. <laughs> this little kid just ran up on stage with Flo Rida. I mean, he was. He felt on top of the world, it seemed like. It, it, you know, he was talking like he was a, a fan of Flo Rida for, you know, like 20 plus years. As uh, I'm sure, <laughs> you know, for the, his nine or 10 years of life, though, he he could have been nonstop listening to Flo Rida. You know, Flo Rida was out that whole time. Maybe maybe his parents were rocking Flo Rida while he was in the womb. You know, that could have been the situation like uh, Trebejo. Uh, said that when he was in the womb, his parents, his dad used to play uh, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd uh, into some headphones, and he put the headphones 
up to uh, the womb there for uh, Trebejo to uh, listen to Dark Side of the Moon. And his, to his uh, recollection, well, I don't know recollection, but his, the last uh, I, he talked to me about it, he said that like he, anytime he hears Dark Side of the Moon, he just kind of <laughs> vegges out. <laughs> Super relaxed mood. I just, you know, I guess it's possible it could give you some kind of memory, you know, pull that up from the subconscious of uh, the the feeling of the womb. You know, I, I've, I imagine that's possible. So maybe this kid that was on stage with Flo Rida had Flo Rida in his life, his whole life, and had that, I don't know, but maybe his parents, you know, played some Flo Rida to him in the womb and just like, and then going on stage with Mr. Flo Rida was just, you know, a full circle for this kid. I don't know. <laughs> we were like, we were watching the kid. is just like, yeah, I was on stage with Flo Rida. And again, it was just a group of several kids. They were all around the same age. And they were going to the parking lot like they were going to drive out of there. <laughs> there was no adult that appeared to be with them. Unless it was a Gary Coleman situation. Again, maybe they were all in their 30s. <laughs> and I just can't tell age anymore. Um, but, uh... <laughs> But yeah, we did not see them drive out of the parking lot, which is just a field. You know, calling it a parking lot is kind of weird because people were just parking in a fucking field. Um, I would imagine the kids were just walking through the field to get to their house, which seems like an odd thing to do, but there are a couple of houses right there they could get to. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I I wouldn't kind of imagine the those kids just hopping into a car and driving it after that. I mean, they had to feel like fucking top of the world, rocking out with low, with the boots, with the fur, and all that stuff, and the other songs like Right Round, which Right Round I I'd say is probably my my go to flow rider. But you know, I like it better when it has Kesha involved in it. The OG said <laughs> the original, but you know. Uh, not really the original, cause it was actually a cover. But you know, I like the Flow Rider version, the first one he put out there with Kesha. Anyway, <laughs> I don't feel like I missed out by paying forty dollars to get into the fair and then paying an arm and a leg to uh, eat, which the food is the thing I would really want to get and apparently the food prices were through the roof as everything is nowadays anyway um but uh and I'd heard from a friend that uh he wanted to get I believe it was my friend Rich um had wanted to get the uh ice cream sandwich my like my go to fair food is the ice cream sandwich with the waffle for bread where you got the ice cream in the middle of the waffle coating on the outside. Just fucking goodness. Great fucking sandwich. And apparently they ran out of that. I believe it was my friend Rich. Maybe it was somebody else. Somebody was telling me (laughs) that uh, they had ran out of the fucking waffle ice cream sandwiches. Which I'd be real fucking pissed, you know, if I... uh, Especially if going on there on Saturday and paying forty to get in, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad had it gone on Sunday and only paid fifteen. But uh, holy shit, I might I'd have been real pissed. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> my laptop is acting really funny, throwing me off here. But yeah, that that shit. That's a pisser. How do you run out of the <laughs> ice cream waffle sandwiches, man? Those have been like a staple in the fair food since as far back as I can remember of going there. Uh, which, you know, I'm 41. I must have gone to that fair first when I was like four or five years old. So we're looking at close to 40 years. <laughs> that uh, uh, Well, I mean, I haven't gone in recent years. Uh, 2018, 2019 was the last time I went physically, and I didn't really even want to go then. That was the first time I went in several years. Um, but uh, didn't stay that long. I think it was 
think Sticks was on stage then. It was a Saturday night. We paid a fortune to get in. We did get to hear a little bit of Sticks. I think you heard Mr. Roboto. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, um, so there was a, so, yeah, Flow Rider. <laughs> Got to see Eileen that night, too. As uh, she is now over where the Slapbox Bunker used to uh, be there. There uh, at uh, my old roommate's uh, house there. And uh, she moved in there last Monday. And uh, Eileen, of course, is the three-legged kitten that uh, Megan had had there. Now uh, Jackman and Tony have them at uh, their house. And uh, she's uh, coming around rather quickly. Um, first couple of days, they had her in uh, the little uh, travel thing, the <laughs> pen, whatever, cage, uh, and uh, kept her in the bedroom, slowly, you know, getting her used to uh, being around two other cats and a dog. Big adjustment. Pitbull at that, you know. Big big old Pitbull. So that's a little bit of adjustment for a, 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 a kitten to begin with. And then uh, now it's a kitten that's missing a leg. And she's still, unfortunately, going to need another surgery as of Thursday on uh, one of her remaining legs. So hopefully that goes all right. But uh, she she's a sweet kitten, though. Sweet kitten that Eileen. <laughs> Uh, it's so great that they kept that name. That's just like the, such a uh, stupid, silly joke. But, you know, that seems like the appropriate name for a three-legged cat. Female cat. It's Eileen. Anyway. <laughs> uh, better call Saul, man. Only one more fucking episode left. And I got to say, it went, it went pretty dark last episode. And uh, Saul was pretty unlikable. And it's interesting to me that Better Call Saul is like, you know, it's like Breaking Bad in reverse. Because, <laughs> um, of course, in Breaking Bad, you've got, it starts out, and you've got Mr. Walter White, who is just your average Joe as a chemistry teacher at a high school. And uh, he loves his family. It seems he's a big family guy and uh, just kind of does what he does. He's uh, provides for his family, and that that's pretty much it. He's a science teacher. And uh, <laughs> then you see him turn into a fucking monster. <laughs> like early on, you know, Walt's a pretty likable guy. For the most part, and then you just see him just become just a monster, a drug kingpin, and fucking take over everything. Like he's fucking Heisenberg, and uh, it's a little bit different. I feel you know for Saul because you already know what Saul's like in present day, pretty much. You know you've been there, um. For uh, uh, Saul, it is, I guess, worst. <laughs> and you already know him as a scumbag lawyer. As uh, <laughs> you see, when you first see him, I mean, he is. I mean, he's the the lawyer on all the fucking uh, benches and stuff. He is the shifty guy that's gonna shifty defense lawyer. And there's Agent Mulder. He is. <laughs> he's like, oh, you you got me with the door open. In the guitar room over there. You had me fooled for a little while. I'm assuming you went in there. And then uh, now he's he's back. He's going to make it known that he's here. Um. Anyway. So, uh, so yeah. So Saul's a... I mean, he's a likable, like, shitty lawyer to me, though. He's... <laughs> like, he, he's entertaining Saul. And uh, but but he's not a good person, not a good person, and uh, just a real shifty guy. 
as you know, it starts out and we know him come Breaking Bad, and uh, <laughs> then you know you get uh, Better Call Saul. It's uh, all of a sudden it, he's uh, starts out and he's actually a, a kind of a nice guy, kind of a nice guy. He's definitely, which I guess is sort of going in reverse and Breaking Bad, but not really. Not really. <laughs> As, uh, yeah, but I mean, because it's still, I guess, go, taking a person that that's not a complete monster and turning him into a monster. But we already know him to be a monster to begin with, so it's kind of a reverse Breaking Bad. But I feel like break uh Saul during Breaking Bad, though he was sh- shifty, he wasn't really a horrible person per se. And he had his, you know, flaws, but uh there was some goodness to him. There was some good to Mr. Goodman and uh and he was at least, you know, entertaining, but then this man this latest episode of Saul, which there's only one more episode left but uh man he uh <laughs> it takes a dark turn and uh you know spoiler alert but uh if you haven't seen this latest episode you know, I felt that he was really gonna kill Carol Burnett and I guess his uh phone call with Miss what well, yeah, Miss Wes- Wexler, which I'm not sure if she mar- married the guy they show in that episode or not, but she's clearly in a relation- serious relationship with somebody else that's not uh, Saul. Obviously, she was married to Saul briefly, but uh, <laughs> there was... Uh, <laughs> man, the sex scene did that is pretty funny with her and her, her man. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> After the phone call did not go well with her, I think that was the final nail and Saul just losing his shit. Or I guess at this point in time, he's Gene. As uh, he has dropped the Saul identity and he's going strictly with Gene. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, it was, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like Saul like that. And it's weird because you know, you, you at least you know Saul's like entertaining, and then he you, he's even more likable if you watch the beginning of uh, Better Call Saul, as uh, you can tell he cares for like the older people that were involved in say like the Sandpiper case and such. And there's uh, more redeeming qualities to uh, at the the start, of course, is Jimmy McGill before he makes the turn to Saul. And I hear the cat, but uh, oh, he's below my feet. There he is. Come here. <laughs> Let's see if he can. He oh man. I now that I, he knows I'm looking at him, he's going to make even more noise for the uh, podcast here. He's gonna really help me out with some audio. Um, well, he's distracted. He's clawing something. Hopefully, it's not electrical. There's. Uh, I don't want to. Seen like a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where a cat just gets so electrocuted to death. That would not be great. Not be great. Be a big mess. I'd feel kind of bad about it. I do like the fella, <laughs> so that would not be great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Saul. That's. I'm not really sure how this last episode's gonna go. And uh, man, I don't really. I don't have any concrete predictions. Like I had thought before this last couple episodes that they were really going to end up killing Kim because it just seemed like they were killing everybody that was in Better Call Saul that did not make their way into Breaking Bad at all. Just seemed to be how they were doing things. And so to me, it was like, oh, fuck, they're going to kill Kim. Um... But I think if Kim had gotten killed, like, say, when Lalo showed up and shot Howard, I'm going to say that Saul would have taken a different turn than he did. Like, he wouldn't have become this complete scumbag. (laughs) I don't think. Oh, he is clawing up electrical stuff. No. 
There's electricity in there, buddy. It will fry you. <laughs> uh, as uh, <laughs> maybe the Petco app was right earlier when they said I need it. I've gone too long with a buy him a new toy. They were right. As uh, and he's being ow shit. I just got clawed. <laughs> I freaked him out. I guess by touching him with my foot, and then he did this hop thing and clawed the shit out of me. As uh, that that's not great. Um. Anyway. Yeah, so, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Kim now that, because uh, I, had she been killed, maybe I th- thought, of course, maybe maybe they could have killed her without Saul really knowing what exactly happened to her. There could have been some instances, and but uh, <sighs> what seemed to really make the turn for Saul to become a complete scumbag is uh, Kim breaking his heart and leaving. That seemed to be like just put him on a crash course to like not give a fuck about women and uh, or much of anybody and uh, be more willing to fuck anybody over. And then uh, then he met Walter White. <laughs> it was just you know a perfect storm of uh, of madness. And uh, I don't know. I maybe Saul might die in the final episode, or Gene rather is going to get killed. And again, maybe they're still going to kill Kim. It's just going to be in in the Gene era during the Cinnabon days. I mean, clearly she has admitted wrongdoing herself and admitted to Lalo Salamanca shooting. Howard Hamlin and uh, who knows what's going to happen with that is she going to continue to make tuna salad with Miracle Whip there are some very important questions to make did it turn out okay did it turn out okay I need to get an answer to that (laughs) I'm not a big tuna salad person but maybe the Miracle Whip makes it better (laughs) uh is the sex enjoyable for her with this new stud, this new fella? Um, it seems like she, she's really not being herself, though, in that life. I really felt like before Howard was killed in that show that she was going to take a dark turn because she was really seemed to be pushing Jimmy slash Saul more towards the drug kingpins and all that and pushing him more towards... Breaking Bad. And then uh, Howard gets killed right in front of her. And then she's... She's done. (laughs) Which is interesting because before that, I feel like Saul was kind of like, you know, maybe we should go to the FBI or or DEA or whoever and uh, admit what's going on with the Salamancas and everything he's involved with and or whatever, you know, just to get himself away from all the madness. And then Kim's like, no, you can't rat on these people, basically. You know, <laughs> this is not verbatim. <laughs> what, but this is the kind of the feel, you know, I was getting that Kim was really pushing him to do some more bad shit. As uh, after he had the whole incident in the desert with Mike, it seemed like he was ready to like, let's get the fuck out of here. I don't want anything to do with these motherfuckers. And he, I feel like Kim pushed him. Kim pushed him. And then uh, when she broke his heart, that was... Uh, that fucked up Mr. Goodman. That created... That was like the the real inciting incident that created Saul Goodman right there. He was already going by that name at that point, but that, that was over the top. He's going to start fucking hookers, taking Viagra, and not giving a fuck about anything except for money. Such such good show creators there. Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. Oh, so good. I'm, I'm going to imagine that this won't be the last that we'll see of the Breaking Bad universe. I feel like we're going to see more of some kind. I mean, why wouldn't they? Um, as, uh, let's see, what happens after 
Better Call Saul. I feel like there's probably going to be. I know there's been talk that people would want to see a Kim spinoff, which I'm not sure how you would do that now. Although maybe they are kind of setting that up. Uh, but uh, here we go. TV Insider has a, some stuff on it. Uh, will Breaking Bad Universe continue after Better Call Saul series finale? Which I'm very interested. Hopefully they don't decide that I need to <laughs> subscribe. I'm waiting for that, but no, it, it apparently not. Um, There we go. In 2008, viewers... Oh, yeah, we know. Breaking Bad. <laughs> Fucking great show. Greatest show ever. Then we get Better Call Saul. More of the goodness. Um, do, 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 do. Let's see here. I feel like we probably pushed it doing a spinoff to Breaking Bad. I could not be more happy with the results. And then I did El Camino, and I'm very proud of that, too. I'm starting to sense you've got to know when to leave the party. I don't have any plans right now to do anything more with this universe. Co-creator and executive producer Vince Gilligan said during the show's panel during the Television Critics Association summer press tour, however, <laughs> he also noted he said the same same thing at the end of Breaking Bad and would love to work with the same people, but perhaps on a different story. Co-creator, showrunner, and executive producer Peter Gould agreed, though added, never say never, who knows how we're going to feel in a couple of years. But Saul isn't over yet, and the co-creators know that expectations are high for the audience watching and those who worked on the show. If we don't win the Nobel Prize for this, I'm going to be very disappointed, said Gilligan, who added, uh, I can talk with unabashed delight about the finale because I had very little to do with it. Peter wrote and directed it. He is a modest gentleman, so he's not going to talk about how fucking awesome, fucking great it is. It w- It is awesome. Gould admitted, it's a lot of pressure, but I think those of us on the show are very happy with where it ended. I hope everyone, everybody else agrees, because I think the thing that I'm most proud of is I think the show is true to itself. We're uh, playing in the same court that we started with, and I think that's an accomplishment. Odenkirk said he's not stressed out after reading the script. Gould and the writers have found a way to deliver on the heart of the show. He explained, adding that he's seen how dialed in the fans are to what it's about. Breaking Bad is such a huge monster show, and it is a cornerstone of really television, and so I was always concerned about that show casting the wrong dimension onto our show as we found our feet. But I don't think it's happened. I think we've been allowed to find our own place to live, and this ending goes right to the heart of where the show found itself um which so far i think that's that that holds up um it's uh yeah i uh there's a vogue article how how better call cell end it almost doesn't matter <laughs> um man I, I don't really i feel like i feel like Saul i mean he's he the, seems to me he's either going to die Maybe in the blaze of glories, he's trying to go out, get away, because he's on the run. Like, they know. They know where he's at now. Carol Burnett fucking, she alerted people. Mr. Salt Goodman is in my fucking area. And uh, he's he's literally and figuratively on the fucking run. They know where this motherfucker's at now. So he's he's either going to get caught, I think, or just go out in the fucking blaze of glory. Which, for a, a shifty lawyer, I don't, I don't see that blaze of glory thing probably happening, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's going to... He misses being in court, and he'll go to trial, you know, and he'll uh, force... I don't think that's going to happen. That's going to be too much for one episode to throw him uh and like going to court and fighting for himself and just you know maybe selling you know selling it as I was basically forced to do what I did by fucking Heisenberg 
but clearly seeing all the money that he made off of it, that would be a hard hard sell. <laughs> um, and the fact that Kim has already talked about the shit that happened with Howard and Lalo Salamanca. So they know he already knows about murders and shit. That he's he knows about some real bad shit and never fucking told any anybody about it. So I mean, this it's a tough call. I feel like Saul's gonna feel like he is gonna die somehow at the end. I mean, shit, he was ready to kill that uh, guy that had cancer with the fucking urn just to get out of that house. He didn't do it because the guy passed back out, but he was ready to just fucking clock that dude over the head with a fucking urn. Cat urn, if I remember correctly. Uh, some kind of pet. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's gone dark. And it's uh, the darkness. Like you're like, ooh, I don't, I don't know that I like you anymore, Soul Goodman, Jimmy. What the fuck you calling yourself now, Gene? Or I forgot what he called when he had the phone conversation, Victor or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, slipping Jimmy. Uh. Man, it's. I imagine this last episode is going to be good, though. Even reading that little bit I just did there about Vince Gilligan saying, you know, he he didn't really see anything as of yet. He wants to keep it going. That he's afraid, you know. I mean, it's been so good. Why would you want to fuck it all up? But I mean, there's so many strong characters in the Breaking Bad universe. I mean, this is what they do. I mean, they create stuff. Why wouldn't you just keep stuff in the same universe? You don't have to have these same characters and stuff. I mean, you can go a lot of different avenues with it. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of options for stuff there, for possibilities. I mean, a lot of bit characters that could become, you know, way more fleshed out. We could find out what happened to Saul's uh, receptionist. Is obviously she's a landowner. She's a landlord. Um, <laughs> I bet there's probably a l- lot of uh, internet things about uh, Breaking Bad characters spinoffs. Uh. Spin-off characters? Because I feel like people probably have already had, you know, let's look at, I mean, I feel like Bill Burr could maybe do a thing with, uh, you know, uh, Hubie. Is that his name? I think Hubie is his name on there. I mean, there could definitely be something... With that, that could be a character. He's kind of a... We don't know that much about him. I mean, we could find out what happened to Walt Jr., have him more involved. I mean, there's there's a lot of characters that are still left alive that we don't know a whole lot about. Maybe there could be a badger. <laughs> uh... Um, it's, it's people ask, is Better Call Saul a Breaking Bad spinoff? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, here we go. There, yeah, here's a May article from May. Better Call Saul. Ten more Breaking Bad uh, spinoffs fans would love to see, according to Reddit. Um, so on ScreenRant.com here. Uh, Did you... Oh, yeah. Man, I don't know how they do this. Because, I mean, John Carlos. see here. Actor John Carlo Esposito has already expressed interest in doing a spinoff about Gus Fring per Screen Rant, but it's debatable whether this is the best way forward. While some fans feel it's time for the universe to come to an end, others believe there is still more potential, and users on Reddit have come up with ideas for the perfect spinoffs. Gray Matter. That would be interesting. This is an interesting take here. Uh, Gray Matter Technologies is described as a billion-dollar company in Breaking Bad, but fans wonder what it was like during the early stages. <laughs> Crispy Socks 241 
feels fans need a prequel showing Walt and Gretchen and Elliot creating gray matter and what happened to destroy their relationships. I feel like to do that, though, I mean, they're, you're talking about having them, what, in their 20s and maybe into their 30s and stuff, and you're talking about actors that are, like, in their 60s now. That'd be hard to pull off. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, you could, I feel like they'd have to recast, you know, those characters. Um, I don't know about that, but there's, see, uh, such a series, here's what they say about such a series would work well by specifically focusing on science and business instead of crime. While Walt showcases his chemistry skills brilliantly in the original series, Viewers never get to see how uh, he became such a guru. The show could thus explore Walt's early years at Caltech as he specializes in X-ray crystallography to his research about photon radiography, which won him the Nobel Prize in chemistry, and it would definitely be fun seeing Walt having a wholesome romantic relationship with Gretchen before things fall apart. Uh, and then uh, Skyler White as a drug trafficker. So I guess the th- that maybe they're saying that she starts trafficking drugs after Breaking Bad. Uh, Mikey Likey 69 <laughs> says everyone keeps on talking about Walt Jr. taking over, but I think it's more realistic. Skyler gets into the business this might just be the perfect way to answer the question of what happens to Skyler after Walt's death. I'm thinking that'd be really hard for her to do. There's going to be all kinds of heat on her, especially if she does get that money that Walt uh, tried to get her. They're going to wonder where the fuck that came from. There's going to be all kinds of heat on Skyler. Um, it, it They have to say here, it isn't a far-fetched idea because Skyler proves that uh, she has what it takes uh, to venture into crime by starting the A1A car wash in order to launder Walt's drug money. She's great at recruiting and blackmailing, too, something that becomes evident through her associations with Saul, Bogdan, Huell, and Kirby. No, Kirby, that's... <laughs> that's uh, Bill Burr there. Um, most importantly, Skyler knows how to get out of trouble without having to shoot her way through it, that's what she does when the IRS comes after Ted Beneke. Um, I just don't see Skyler. I f- feel like there's just too many people coming after her. They want to, you know, they want to take her down. It'd be really tough for Skyler to to break bad at that point. And would she really be involved with drug trafficking? What does she really know about that side of it? She knows how to fucking, uh, you know, dirty the books. And everything, I you know, the production and, uh, you know, finding the people to produce it and stuff is, isn't exactly her forte. So, I mean, you know, it's possible, but mm, I don't know. And here's uh, Gus Fring's early years. That would be really interesting. But then, you know, you have to, uh, do, you, do you hire, like, another actor to play Gustavo? Or do you, like, de-age him with a computer? Because at this point, I mean... John Carlos got to be like in his sixties or so. He's he's got to be getting up there, and he's definitely shown at the last few episodes he was on Soul. I mean, he definitely looks older. To, again, to have him play somebody that's like in their twenties and thirties, it's it's going to be hard to buy that. Um, but uh, Glenn Guagolchek champions a Gus Fring spinoff by simply saying it would be the most compelling. Gus is indeed a formidable character to the redditor, so the redditor could be right. Though the drug distributor is already in Better Call Saul, he is more of an accessory rather than the engine. A story about his earlier years in Chile and his move to America would be rousing, though uh, through it, fans could also get to learn more about his slain business partner, uh, come friend, <laughs> come friend, <laughs> Maximino Max Arciniega. Um, which I feel like that, I mean, that's obviously got a lot of interesting stuff and to see like you know it sounds like he was a badass even in Chile Chile uh but uh yeah I don't know about like recasting though that's like John Carlo really fucking owns that role 
And then uh, here's a suggestion of a sitcom about Badger and Skinny Pete. Um, Skinny Pete and Badger are undoubtedly two of the funniest Breaking Bad characters. Therein lies an opportunity. Redditor Caesar81 brings up the idea of a comedy with Badger and Skinny Pete after they go into the witness protection. Uh, Why would they go into witness protection? (laughs) Um, Creators Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould already missed the opportunity to make Better Call Saul a comedy. Given how funny Saul was in Breaking Bad, but the door is still open for them to go to that route with Skinny Pete and Badger from hilarious interrogation scenes to taking on new identities. There is no shortage of stories to tell. Yeah, I'm not feeling that. Like, no fucking sitcom. It's just... Oh, this is... I was waiting for, like, more of a a real small character and one kind of out there. Here we go. I, we got one. Hugo the Janitor. Um, it's, of course, the janitor that takes the fall for uh, stealing the meth lab equipment and breaking bad because they found some pot in his truck, I believe is what uh, what killed Hugo. Um, Royally McBoo <laughs> would uh, love to see a spinoff about a minor character like Hugo who Walt allowed to take the fall for the lab theft. They comment, imagine the possibilities. <laughs> I mean, he's a blank He's a blank sheet. You could put in all kinds of stories in there. That'd be great to just have fucking Hugo the janitor. Uh, the says here, the writers could go anywhere with Hugo. He could escape from prison, find out the truth, and come after Walt's family, or he could just be a prisoner fighting for his freedom via the legal system, hence making the perfect legal drama with no cartel involvement. Through him, the flaws of the judicial system can be underscored, which I'm, you lost me. Yeah, I lost interest. Um, making it all about prison, and I don't know. You know, I feel like we're we're losing the feel of Breaking Bad. You gotta have, which I guess there's people getting murdered and shit in prison. I guess you could make that happen, but I don't know. Having it just set in prison, I'm I'm not crazy about that aspect. Uh, <clears throat> I need to have it more out and have the possibility of characters. From that we know, you know, popping in and out, which I guess in prison there could be. Maybe Saul ends up in jail at the end of all of this, and then th- then we see him <laughs> in the Hugo the Janitor fucking re- uh, spinoff. Uh, that uh, that that's just great. That'd be that'd be so fantastic if that's the next spinoff is Hugo the Janitor. T- try to sell that to AMC. Like, yeah, we know that your <laughs> Breaking Bad's or fans are just rabid for more content after Batter Call Saul. This is what we got. Just think about it. We're going to keep the universe alive. Just hear me out. Hugo the janitor. Need we say more? Need we say more? <laughs> of course, uh, the next one they have on this list here is Beat Cop. And, of course, they're talking about Mr. Mike Ehrmantraut, which... He's already way too old to be playing a younger Mike Ehrman Trout come Better Call Saul. And he's he's not getting any younger. I, don't get me wrong. I love him and all. But, uh, <laughs> like, uh, I, you know, he, and can you have anybody else play, uh, play Mike Ehrman Trout? I mean, that's, that's really... I don't know that you can, man. Like, that's just seems fucking wrong to have anybody else in there. But, I mean, he's fucking old as shit, man. Jonathan Banks is... And (laughs) I still think, after watching Gremlins, and he was a cop in Gremlins, Jonathan Banks was, of course. I feel like that should be him as a cop, is him in Gremlins. Like, I feel like that should be in the same universe as Breaking Bad. <laughs> That's his cop days. Just go watch Gremlins. Anyway, what they say here is Mike is already one of the better, best Better Call Saul characters, but there are possibilities for other takes on his character. Representative Bison7 believes a show about Mike's earlier years as a street cop would be really cool. To distinguish itself from the rest, the show could take the format of a police procedural since Mike has previously mentioned that he was a dirty cop because bad guys end up falling away, the manner in which he handles criminals is guaranteed to be very unconventional. 
Uh, events could stretch as far back as his time as a Marine scout sniper in the Vietnam War. Which, I mean, it could be interesting. I mean, I I feel like they they do such a great job at casting. Imagine they're going to find somebody even recasting, doing a younger version of one of these characters. I imagine they could do a good job of it if the you know Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan are involved. I have total faith in these guys until they put up some shit. <laughs> um, and then we have one, an entirely new story. Uh, My Life Supreme thinks the best idea would be for a sequel of new characters with small references to Breaking Bad. They also suggest a story idea writing a random person discovering Walt's money and realizing many people are after it. That's interesting. Um, Such an angle could be better received because Better Call Saul has been accused of leaning on fan service. At times there's uh, be no familiar characters, just new faces existing in the same universe. Some of the best Breaking Bad locations can be kept too as a reminder that this is still a spinoff. Another idea is a Juarez cartel saga. That that could be interesting. A Narcos-style show following all of the different branches of the cartel wouldn't be so bad, according to Tim, is cold in Maine. (laughs) And that would be mainly focused on the Juarez cartel. Fans that love Breaking Bad for the action will enjoy such a spinoff. With the exception of Lalo and Nacho, most cartel members have been used as a side characters and exploring them more keenly would result in a Narcos type of show, as the Redditor puts it, watching the cousins take out rival gang members and Don Eladio. Ordering hits might be satisfying. And uh, this is interesting. Flynn is a DEA agent. It's, of course, Flynn Walt Jr. Uh, Flynn is a one-dimensional character in the original show, but written as a more fleshed-out one. Uh, Bikes, books, and bass. (laughs) Some of these names are so great. Um, Comes up with an interesting idea where he becomes a DEA agent and and takes on an ultra-violent drug lord who ultimately you found out is Brock. Um... Flynn becoming a DEA agent makes sense since he hated Walt and idolized Hank. Since he doesn't have Hank's physicality, an analyst or tech role might uh, role fits him better. Moreover, grown and villainous Brock will have all the motivation he needs to go after Flynn because Walt once poisoned him, whereas Jesse's action led to the death of his mother. I mean, that <laughs> having Brock in a yeah. It's good to have Brock as a character. I'd like to know more of what happens with Brock there. Um, it's an interesting take. Interesting take. Um, Los Lunas uh, Prison. Uh, Skinny Pete once mentions that he was in prison with Tuco at Los Lunas. Construction odd 5269. <laughs> Therefore, suggests a spinoff about Tuco planning his revenge against Mike for landing in prison and Skinny Pete's slide from Piano Prodigy to Meth Dealer. At the start of Better Call Saul, it seemed like Tuco would be a big part of the show, but then he got jailed and has missed out on a couple of seasons since he hasn't been featured frequently. Digging deeper into his background story via prison-themed series isn't such a bad idea, and Badger would definitely be an important part of that story. Uh, those are interesting. Interesting. You know, the Flynn is DEA agent. I feel like that's, that could go. I don't know, but I mean, he's obviously, uh, has the physical disability. I mean, he's not going to be a field agent and stuff. And I feel like (sighs) you're going to want some, you know, is he going to be, um, as big of a character if he's not like on the scene like in the doing the you know busting down doors and stuff I feel like but the Brock aspect that's interesting having a grown up Brock and coming after motherfuckers that would definitely be um some interesting stuff but there's I mean you can also do a spin off of early Hank but I feel like Hank before Breaking Bad was probably more of just a one-sided person. I mean, he was just hardcore, you know, DA agent, just man's man kind of thing. And uh, 
Now, I mean, they could flesh more out. I mean, he really evolved during Breaking Bad. He was definitely one-dimensional in that early on, and then when he killed Tuco in that second season, man, he becomes a totally different character, and there's just so much so much more about Hank <laughs> after that, and just so, so much goodness. But I, I don't know about it, like, early days, Hank. Um... There's there's some there's some good uh, possibilities there though, as far as I mean if you do a completely different storyline and maybe just had a couple references to Breaking Bad that would be that'd be interesting I guess, and the part of the downfall or the you know I love I like Better Call Saul I'm a big fan of it. But with some of the characters, obviously you're not going to be too concerned of what happens to them, like uh, Gustavo, the Chicken Man, Mike Ehrman Trout. You know how these characters die already. You're not going to go, uh, are they going to kill Gus? <laughs> Unless you haven't seen Breaking Bad. Unless you're like the children growing up now that see Episode 1 of Star Wars. Like Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, before seeing A New Hope, you know, and Empire Strikes Back. They are. They already know, you know, Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. Start now. But they don't. <laughs> you know, if if you start with Better Call Saul, you don't know. It's going to be the reverse of that, I guess. So if you watch Better Call Saul first, I guess it'd be like almost more entertaining if you hadn't seen any of Breaking Bad and you just start with Better Call Saul. Although there's. You kind of end up knowing what happens, I guess, in Breaking Bad with this latest season. Because there are flashbacks, or, well, flash-forwards? I don't know, of uh, the what happens. or I guess it's flashbacks, because if it's during Gene's time, and we're seeing, we're going back. We're going back in time <laughs> to the Heisenberg era. And we already know he's fucking dead at the beginning of that, so... <laughs> You get a, I guess there is spoilers, but you don't necessarily, I guess, know what happens to the Chicken Man and some of the other characters like Mike and everything. You're not going to know that if you start with Better Call Saul, make your way through Breaking Bad, and hit El Camino. You know, it's, it could be an interesting way to watch it. Which, once I think this is all wrapped up, once, which I guess in just a few days, <laughs> when they release the final episode of uh, Better Call Saul, I think I might have to go back. I don't really think that I have the time for this, but I got to squeeze in some time to watch all of Better Call Saul go through Breaking Bad and then hit El Camino. Hit it on the way out. Just see. I imagine it's a different feel. I mean, I've gone through all of Breaking Bad uh, many a times. It's so good. So, so, so good. Yeah, bitch. Fucking great, Mr. White. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's my <laughs> my Pinkman impression. It hasn't really improved over the years. It's all right, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that is my fit. My biggest love for TV is is Breaking Bad. I mean, that holy shit. You know, I don't think they mentioned either. But you know, the cousins. They don't really speak a whole lot, but Tuco's cousins, the murder twins, whatever you want to call them, the Salamancas, I forgot their first names, but uh, they could be more, which I guess the narco-style show, where it's the Juarez cartel, could involve them a lot more and see more of them. I don't know that they could carry a full show. They're not the talking types. (laughs) They have a whole lot of dialogue. You kind of need that if you're going to be the, you know, I guess they would be a protagonist of the show or just, you know, the. I feel like you need to talk a little bit more. They're good as supporting characters. I don't know about leads. So, you know, more of the Juarez cartel. But there's a, there's a lot of, there's just so much good. It's like. Star Wars, you know, had now I know it's like a lot of people are not happy with what a lot of what Disney has done with Star Wars. 
But I don't know that we would have ever gotten more Star Wars had Lucas not sold it off. He had apparently had ideas for a sequel trilogy, but to the best of my knowledge, he wasn't actually planning on doing it. At least he didn't make a whole lot of public announcements of doing it. He had ideas. I, he might have had scripts, but I, I don't know that we, he was going to get around to it, to making it. And because the fact that Disney owns it now, many people can do stuff. We can get all kinds of people making stuff in that universe. And there's just a lot there. There's there's a lot that could be done, whereas, you know, Breaking Bad, I mean, sure, it's not that different of a universe than, say, our own. <laughs> but there's a lot that can be made there. I don't want to see necessarily though with Breaking Bad I don't want to see them sell it to Disney I just want to be clear <laughs> don't sell to Disney I don't want to see fucking Breaking Bad in the house of the mouse you know I don't want to see them just giving any directors carte blanche and making a show in that universe any showrunners um it just wouldn't be the same without Vince Gould or Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould <laughs> making just a <laughs> Voltron of their names there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm down for seeing some more in that universe, though. I don't I don't think there's enough to mine in that universe to throw in different directions. I don't want to see my my thing is with being able to if they sold off the rights to that somehow. Whether it be Disney, uh, yeah, obviously they probably wouldn't sell it off to Disney. But uh, if other people started creating shows in that universe, it's going to be totally different. Whereas Star Wars, there's even when you throw in different writers, directors, and what have you, there's going to be constants. There's going, there's, I mean, if you do it right, um, but you're going to have. You know, Jedi's, Sith, you know, potentially in there, and you're gonna have you know, lightsabers, starships. There's gonna be stuff that you know that's in this universe, regardless to where it, it, the sound effects. They're gonna seem like a Star Wars movie, whereas what really sets Breaking Bad up is just the on edge excitement that they give you of not knowing being like almost scared to know what's going to happen next there's that that, like Better Call Saul has a little bit of that but I think Breaking Bad just they keep you on the edge of your seat they did such a good job of that and I, I don't know that anybody else would capture that just right when you have the like Hank and Walt going at it and when uh of course, Hank meets his demise, like going up to that. Or when uh, Tuco's cousins go and try to kill Hank. Or when Hank kills fucking Tuco. I mean, those episodes are just so, so intense leading up to that when you first watch it. Like, of course, the scene with uh, Tuco's uncle there, uh, Salamanca there, um, with the ring and the bell. And all that, as he's trying to tell Tuco, hey, they fucking poisoned your burrito, man. <laughs> just that fucking bell. <laughs> so good. So good at just building tension. And, and you end up, of course, rooting for a person that's just a despicable human being in Walter White. You still end up, like, rooting for him in the end. I mean, he kind of, you know, has some redeeming qualities in the end and Felina which I think is the greatest fucking ending to any television show is the final episode of Breaking Bad the end when he goes back and kills Uncle Jack and uh, everybody with that fucking machine gun out of that of that car is, is just so fanta- fantastic so fantastic Um, and he's kind of somewhat redeems himself because he's you know revenge for Hank and everything because he didn't really want Hank dead 
He didn't want to get captured. He didn't want Hank to turn him in. But he also didn't want him dead. He actually cared for Hank. So, I don't know. It's interesting stuff. I could talk. I just fucking love Breaking Bad so much. And those characters. So, so, so much goodness. Um, I didn't even get to, like, talking about... I did see Lightyear, which, you know, I'm not one these days to go around watching much in the way of children's movies since it's kind of weird for a 40-year-old man that has no children, lives by himself, except for his cat, this trusty cat by his side, to go around watching children's movies all the time. It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I watched Lightyear. Because uh, I, I I guess I was in junior high or so whenever Toy Story came out. But I've seen all of the Toy Stories except for the last one. I did not see the last one. Um, But I was like, eh, fuck it, Lightyear's on. Let's watch some Lightyear. And uh, it was an entertaining film. Entertaining film. And I love the fact that he's got a robot cat. Uh, Lightyear in there. And, spoiler alert, in the end, they've got a Terminator robot cat. <laughs> He's got he's missing half his face and everything. It's pretty great. Socks the cat robot is uh it's pretty great. Is a is a guy with a cat. Kind of think it's cool to have a protagonist that has a cat. Instead of you know a lot of movies, it's the villain that has a cat, like Doctor No or uh, Doctor Evil in Austin Powers. He's got the cat. <laughs> Whereas, uh, you know, we're not, we're not bad people. We're not bad people. Fox is a good cat. He keeps me nice. Although I was watching infographic show earlier on Klaus Barbie, the fucking Nazi, murderous Nazi that actually the United States government helped escape death for a long time as uh, they had him work as a spy. Um, horrible person, horrible person, really. But as he was torturing and murdering people he had a cat that he loved and that's kind of fucked up it's kind of kind of fucked up that's just not cool it's just not good for the rest of us dudes that have cats that you're going around murdering people while also just like here check me watch me pet my cat i'm gonna put him down and i'm gonna fucking beat you over the head with this blunt object and uh apparently the cat was fine with that um Anyway, uh, that's I guess that's all I've got really to say tonight. And uh, as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can. 